we kicked off this new series last week, Made for More, and we kind of framed it with this whole idea of, you know, God using us or intending for us to be uh, something more than maybe we often envision for ourselves or something more than what we would experience or something more than, you know, what others may impose on you. And we kicked off talking about this idea of power. And this whole series is through the book of Ephesians. And Paul was writing to a group of Christians wanting to share with them how they were made for more. And those things that he talked about weren't just exclusive to those early Christians. They're also applicable and available to us today, 2,000 years later. And, you know, we talked about more power. And today we're going to continue on in chapter 2, uh, looking at more purpose. And so we're going to pick up in verse 4. You'll see it up on the screen. Uh, I'll read over here. Chapter 2, verse 4. Paul writes this. But God is so rich in mercy, and he loved us so much, that even though we were dead because of our sins, he gave us life when we raised Christ from the dead. It is only by God's grace that you have been saved, for he raised us from the dead along with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms because we are united with Christ Jesus. Verse 7, so God can point to us in all future ages as examples of this incredible wealth of his grace and kindness toward us, as shown in all that he has done for us who are united with Christ Jesus. God saved you by his grace when you believed, and you can take credit for this because it's a gift from God. Salvation is not a reward for the good things we have done, so none of us can boast about it. For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus so we can do good things he planned for us long ago. Have you ever been in a situation where you felt at least somewhat out of place or felt like you didn't belong? Maybe it was visiting a foreign country and you're clear because of skin color or a language barrier or just culture that this is not where you're from and this is not where you are. Maybe it's uh, a work meeting and you're sitting around in this meeting for good and for bad or for bad and you're like, I don't know why I'm here. Uh, no one, ha- there's no purpose. They just told me I'm supposed to be in this meeting. I don't contribute anything. I don't add anything. Uh, maybe it's a group of friends, a conversation that they're all sharing or discussing. Uh, you're single, right? And so all your friends are getting married and they're talking about, you know, marriage and they're talking about the wedding planning and they're talking about this experience or that experience. And you're just sitting around thinking, well, I've got zero rings on my fingers, so I don't really get what's happening now, but okay, I'm here and present. I had a situation like that about a year and a half ago, and it continues even to this day, um, where I was invited into a conversation. I was invited into a group of people who are working on this pretty significant project here in New York City. And it's really what it will amount to is like a $30 million construction project on a ministry center that's going to be constructed or planned to be constructed and developed in kind of central Harlem. And I met this guy through a random connection somewhere out in Long Island. And we touched base, got connected, had dinner together. And he starts talking to me about what they're doing. And he's like, you know, this is what we're envisioning. This is what we're trying to do. And number one, we're at like this really gourmet restaurant. Okay, the the restaurant is run by an iron chef. And it's way out of my price point. And the guy's like, yeah, every time I come here, my meals are comped. And I'm like, okay, well, that's as long as you swear by your word, then I'm happy to meet you there. Um, And so we're at this place that's just over the top and and incredible. It's great food. And he's telling me about this project and what they're doing. And they're selling several million dollar properties, you know, in order to kind of have the foundation or the base for this so that they only have to fund about half of, you know, this project. And he's casting the vision. I'm like, this is all great. And again, I'm just sitting there at this dinner thinking, okay, you know, what's the hook? What's the catch? Why did you want to meet with me? 
And he says, and I would love for you to be involved in this. And he says, even if you were creating a separate entity, even if you would want a seat on our board, we'll give it to you. And I'm thinking to myself, this guy maybe drank too many glasses of wine <laughs> or has no idea because I've not, you know, I'm, I'm in a Bible study with four people in my living room and have no clue why he would want us to be here. So I start showing up to these meetings. We'll have some meetings. You can come and participate. So I start showing up. And at these meetings, you have, like, movers and shakers. You have uh, an architect who's doing massive projects uh, here in New York City, but he told me, well, most of my work is in China because China's just blowing up right now. And so I travel to China every month for, to kind of you know, work on new projects and, and keep track of what's going on. And I'm thinking, okay, I don't do that. And then there's another guy who's a banker who's the head of J.P. Morgan Chase in one of their commercial banking divisions. And so he's you know, involved in, you know, well, this is what the bankers want to know. This is the, you know, what they want to see. These are the plans that are needed. Uh, you have architects who have kind of designed, you know, here's this building. We have two plots of land. And so here's what the building would look like on two plots of land. But if we can purchase this third plot of land, then we could build an extension that would look like this. And so I'm like, OK, I can't do that. And there's another person from Seattle who's here who helps fundraise globally. And so he's here kind of talking about the strategy for fundraising. And then you have this one lady who at one point served as the artistic director for Radio City Music Hall. Uh, she oversaw the creative arts at Madison Square Garden Theater. And so she's just, you know, she's doing stuff. She's got shows on Broadway. She's got shows in other cities. And, and so she's there. And mind you, I'm 32 years old. All these people are like 60 plus. So I'm their kid's age. And, and I'm, I'm hanging out at this table, and they're like, what do you do? I'm like, I've got a Bible study in my living room. We had five people last week. It was like <laughs> six if you count my daughter and seven if you count my dog. And so we're, we're, we're doing stuff. And they're like, oh, it's so great to have you here. And so I'd go to these meetings. They would occur like maybe once every kind of four to six weeks. And I would show up to these meetings at these fancy restaurants and and the first time I showed up, I didn't know anyone else was going to be there, okay? So I did, like, the worst thing. I just showed up wearing jeans and a T-shirt because I thought it was just going to be me and this guy, John. And it's all these business people wearing suits and, like, collared shirts. I'm like, oh, not only, not only am I half their age, I don't have the credentials. I look like an idiot in front of these people. I felt so out of place for months. I just felt completely out of place. And, I, and I'm, I'm going to these meetings, and I'm really not contributing much of anything. And so finally I asked the guy, John, who's late 70s, and, and I, I said, John, why do you want me here? What, like, what's the point of me coming to these meetings? And what, what, is it that, what is it that you see that I don't see? Because I don't really understand my purpose. I don't understand why I'm supposed to be here. And I talk when people ask me questions. And sometimes I'll contribute some things. And he said, no, no, you don't get it. He said, you're exactly what we want. And you're exactly the type of person we would need in order to make this thing succeed. Because you're born in New York, you grew up here, you're starting a church here, and you're young. And so all those things we don't have. So we have the banking. You know, we have the strategy. We have the creative vision for it. We have the, the funders and the, and, the, and the real estate to, to sell and to buy. We have the architect. You know, we have, you know, the engineers. We have all that, but what we don't have is you. And, and in that moment, the clarity that came and the vision that came and the understanding of now, oh, okay, now I see my purpose now I see my value. Now I see where I can contribute. What felt uncomfortable or what felt made me feel insecure, all of a sudden was switched to a moment of confidence, was switched to a place of, you know, kind of not power, but a position of purpose and, and, and intentionality to be able to offer something that made sense and felt like it was valuable to the group that was meeting. 
And the reason I share that story is not to kind of pat myself on the back and say, wow, that guy is doing something, but to say this, I think we all kind of go through life with that feeling I first had. Why am I here? What's the, what's the point of this? What, what value do I have? What, con what contribution do I make? Who benefits from me being around? What, what's the point of this? So yeah, and, and it doesn't matter. Here's the thing, because whether you're here in person or watching online or you, you listen to the podcast, wherever you're kind of tuning in from, I think everyone would recognize or feel like we associate with this feeling of what's my purpose? What's, what's the point in this? What, what difference does it make? What value do I add? And we, we question, because is it really that I just go to work? That I wake up in the morning, hopefully on time? That hopefully the subways are running great? That I show up to my office or that I show up to, to my studio and I, and I do what I'm supposed to do? And then I leave home later than I anticipated. It's too late to cook food, so I'll just buy food. I'll turn on the TV. There's nothing on. I'll scroll through all the things Netflix recommends, but yet there's nothing that sounds interesting. And then I go to sleep, and I'll do it all over again tomorrow. Is that it? Is that the best I have to offer? Is that the best I get to do? And, and, and we've wondered about that, whether your life is good or bad. It doesn't matter, because this thing doesn't have any sort of prejudice. That feeling doesn't reject the wealthy or the poor. It doesn't reject your ethnicity. So if you're white, black, Hispanic, it doesn't matter because you still feel that feeling. It doesn't matter if you have a great job or a crappy one. It doesn't matter where you live, if you're in a sky rise or a walk up. None of that matters because what matters is the feeling that we have inside and that doesn't respect what you do or where you come from or who you are. Because we all long to contribute something. We all long to kind of know the why behind what we do. And I love this um, kind of mindset or this challenge because it puts us in a predicament. Because some of us live our lives not knowing what our purpose actually is. Some of us live and we go day to day, kind of like that illustration or that example I gave where you're just going to work and watching TV and eating food and you do that on repeat five or six days a week. And, and then the day off is just kind of exhausting, so you just relax and you don't do much, and, and then you start all over again. And in some ways, you feel kind of like a hamster that's running on a wheel. And then you trip up or you fall off and you shake it off and look around and you realize you haven't got anywhere, but you got to do it all over again. And so you live without purpose. Some of you maybe live with kind of a minimized or reduced vision of your purpose. And so I have you know, this vision, or I, I think this is why I'm here, I think this is what I'm capable of, and I believe it, but I don't know if I can be that big, or I don't know if I can achieve something significant, or I don't know if it's really going to matter that much. And it's tied to your career, it's tied to your art, it's tied to your passion, whatever it is, you have it, but you're just not sure how significant it actually is, or how much of a difference it actually makes. And then there's those who, who maybe live with a sense of lost purpose, where you feel like, man, one time I had that. But because of what happened to you or because of what you did, you feel like you lost it or that it was taken away from you. You feel like something kind of stripped you of that opportunity or stripped you of that you know, ability to live into that purpose. Or you feel like maybe you just botched it and you've messed it up. Think, well, this was true for me until I did X, Y, Z, and now you know, I can imagine God wanting to do anything with me. I can imagine God actually wanting to use someone like me when there's other people 
who were obedient, when there's other people who were faithful, when there's other people who didn't, you know, wander off track and they stayed the course. And so why would God want to use me when he has them? And we've, we've felt that somewhere on that spectrum, we all have kind of experienced some, something or some, to some level in one of those areas. And, 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 and the reason I say I love it is because it puts this kind of very real confrontation on the fact that there's a why that is there. Why? Why am I here? What's the point? What's my purpose? And I love this quote um, by the, the German philosopher Friedrich Nietzsche. He lived in the, eight, the late 1800s, and uh, he, he, he wrote this. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. He who has a why to live for can bear almost any how. Now, the ironic thing about this is that Friedrich Nietzsche grew up the son of a pastor, but as he explored philosophy and, and kind of his own path into adulthood, he actually ended up becoming an atheist. And this quote is attributed to him after his point of kind of deconversion, after his point of abandoning faith, but he recognized even then that if you have a why, you can bear the how. And I think the inverse of that is also true, right? That if you don't have a why, we can't figure out the how. How do I go about my day? How do I go about my friendships? How do I go about my relationships? How do I go about my life? What, what, what's the point in any of this? Because I don't know the point, so I don't even know how I can kind of make it through another day or make it through another circumstance. But Friedrich Nietzsche wasn't the only one who recognized this. The Apostle Paul recognized this, which is why he wrote what he wrote in Ephesians chapter 2. Because Paul understood this. Paul knew that when he was writing to the people of Ephesus that there was more for them to live into than just being good Christians. Because he wrote in chapter 1, again, he didn't write in chapters, he was just writing a letter, but he wrote at the beginning of his letter, hey, you guys are doing a great job. You guys are living life extremely well. I'm so proud of the love you have. I'm so proud of who you're becoming. I'm proud of what Jesus is doing in you, but there's one more thing. There's another thing that's available to you, and it's more purpose. It's not just about being a good Christian. It's not just about being a moral person. It's not just about being someone who others respect or someone who gets promoted or someone who's looked at and say, wow, they're, they're handsome or they're pretty or they're whatever. It's not about any of that. There's more significance available to you. And he wanted them to know, listen, God has so much more for you and it's not restricted or limited to your race, whether you're Jew or Gentile. It's not restricted or limited to your faith position of, well, I believe wholeheartedly in Jesus today, but I don't tomorrow, and so I don't know, and so it's stripped away or it's taken away because you waffle with doubt or you struggle with, with depression or anxiety or worry, and so, God, and so God's going to take it away because you're not, you know, 100% in. He wanted them to know this doesn't matter if you're male or female or you're young or old, that purpose is available for you, that you were made for this. And that you could experience this regardless of whatever boundary or limitation or restriction you or someone else has imposed on your life. And so let me write about this. Let me share this with you is because what mattered to him was that they understood that they could experience the fullness of the purpose God had designated over their lives for each and every one, not just the church as a whole, but individual people. And so Paul wrote with this burden and he wrote with this conviction and almost in a sense, he wrote with a, a kind of a feeling that if I could just give you what I've got, if I could just make you believe this, things would be so much greater for you. And so instead of doing that, because he can't, he decides he's going to write at length about this throughout the course of what would end up becoming chapter 2 of Ephesians. 
And, and I believe what these, these words that Paul wrote 2,000 years ago weren't, again, restricted to these listeners, to this original audience. It's something that's available to us today. Yeah. It's something that can be applied to our lives today. It's not exclusive. It's not something that's, well, this was for them, but now is us. And, and so there's kind of this discrepancy. No, what Paul wrote then is just as applicable today. And, and, and the thing about this that I believe for you is that God has so much more purpose for you. I believe God has so much more purpose for me. I feel like I know my purpose. I know my calling. But every time I think I know it, God starts revealing different dimensions and aspects and saying, it's so much bigger than what you can see. But I believe that for you just as much. It's not that I'm extra anointed or that I'm favored or that I'm blessed beyond you. It's that I just start pursuing it. And as I pursue it, God starts kind of unfolding another aspect of it. But I believe for you, and part of what we believe as a church is that every single person has so much more purpose in their lives, so much more significance that goes beyond a job, that goes beyond a church service, that goes beyond a single relationship, marriage or friendship or whatever. It's so much bigger than that. And our heart and our desires that whether you're here for us for one week or you're here for two weeks or two months or two years or 10 years, that you would walk closer into that purpose and fulfilling that purpose. And the closer you take, the more steps you take, the larger it gets and the more unknowns are presented in the best of ways. That your purpose and your pursuit of it only leads to greater purpose and greater satisfaction and greater fulfillment because that's what God has for you. And, and I believe, I'm, I'm going to say something that I think is familiar to, to many of you, but I believe that you were made on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose. You were made on purpose, with a purpose, for a purpose. And you've probably heard this phrase shared by other pastors, other church leaders, other people of faith, so it's not original to me. You, sh- you don't have to worry about putting my name next to the quote in your notes or anything like that because it's not original to me. But I think the problem with this statement is that because it's so familiar, because it's so catchy, it's so tweetable, we lose sight of the significance. We lose sight of the depth of its meaning. We lose sight of what actually stands behind these words that kind of have a cute rhyme an acute rhythm to it. It's memorable, yes, but it's significant as well. And so what I want to do for the rest of our time this morning is kind of walk you through this phrase, but using Ephesians 2, the passage we read, as the outline to kind of uh, define or, or bring, illuminate maybe what this phrase, the power behind this phrase, and, and what that means for you. What it means to be made with purpose. What it means to be made with a purpose. What it means to be made for a purpose. And so we'll begin right with that very first segment, made on purpose. Before you can embrace that you were made with a purpose or for a purpose, I think you have to actually understand and embrace the fact that you were made. That you were made. You know, my daughter, G is seven, and she just started getting into Legos, which you've probably seen that meme of like the different like levels of pain. And, and, and so there's like, you know, a one, a two, or whatever, and they have these different things. But the most extreme pain is stepping on a Lego barefoot. And it's, it's so true. It's so true. It's excruciating. I, I'm not even lying. Before I go to bed at night, in the living room, because I get up before everyone else in my apartment, and I don't turn on the lights, I don't want to wake people up. And so before I go to bed at night, I kind of scour the, the floor 
just to make sure that there are no Legos anywhere within my path. Because I'm dead serious, like it hurts so bad. And that's not the point I'm trying to make, the point is different. The, the point I'm trying to make about Legos is this. Legos, you know, on their own, they're nothing, they're Legos. But the beauty of Legos is that you can take all these pieces, you can put them together, and you can make stuff. And what's interesting is whether we use her Legos to build something that is guided or that, you know, the picture shows us, hey, this is what this box of Legos is for, and whether we build that or we build them to make our own thing, whatever we build, it doesn't matter to my daughter because everything we made has significance. Nothing was accidental. It wasn't just kind of this isolated thing, well, well, we just shook up the box of Legos and poof, out came something. No, we took the Legos and we assembled it whether it was to make a throne, whether it was to make a train, whether it was to make a yard or a house or anything else that we could envision, whether it's by instruction or because we took random pieces and decided what can we make of this, whatever we made has significance. And the same is true for you and I. That God didn't just kind of take up the cosmos and shake it up and then poof, we're here and then think, okay, well, now that I've got them, I've got to figure out what to do with them. But instead, he assembled us. Instead, he created us. Instead, he made us. And what you make has significance. And I think we, we struggle to believe that we have purpose. Some of us might feel like, well, that's for you, but not for me. And purpose is not this attainable thing because I've moved past that mark. I'm older now, or I'm past that. I'm, I've got a family now, or I'm stuck in my career. And so, you know, that's great for a 16-year-old that has vision and dreams, but I'm in real life. And so we struggle to believe that we have purpose because we never fully embraced that we were made. You see, it's identity before it's responsibility. And God made us on purpose. God made us on purpose. Look back at what Paul wrote in, in verse 10. In the first part of verse 10, he says this, For we are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. We are God's masterpiece, and he has created us anew in Christ Jesus. Now, I did some research on this. There are no such things as an accidental masterpiece. Now, it may not have been viewed or perceived as a masterpiece in real time, but to the artists who made it, it wasn't an accident. Now, the culture and society may have said, this guy's crazy, or this girl's outlandish, or she's wild, or they're just kind of way out there. But the masterpieces that come to your mind are not accidental. They were made. It was intentional. It was the work of an artist. It was someone who created and said, I'm going to deliberately do something that's going to show the world what matters to me. And God, in creating us, did the same. We are his masterpiece. Not the mountains, not the ocean, not the universe. For as expansive and as big as all those things are, especially when compared to us as individuals, the scriptures say that God said we are his masterpiece. That in the known universe, you are the thing that God holds up as his trophy. He says, look what I'm capable of doing. Look what I'm capable of making. And, and the thing about this is that God had purpose and, 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 and intent in creating you long before anyone else did. So it doesn't matter if your parents say you were an accident. It doesn't matter if your boss said that. It doesn't matter if some Facebook or Instagram comment or tweet reply said, you know, something negative or derogatory about your existence. Because long before they could even tweet, 
God spoke of you. And God envisioned you. And what I love about this for me is that it means God has vision for my life even when I don't. That God sees something for me even when I can't. That God believes something about me even when no one else does. And that he saw me as an opportunity to showcase himself, to showcase what he loved, to reveal a part of his heart. And so he created and he made me and you on purpose. And, 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 and some times in your life, maybe you feel like you've been forgotten because someone else gets passed up or because you got passed up while someone else gets promoted. Because someone else's career or their you know, relationship stuff like takes off and you're like, I'm at the bottom of the barrel and I'm trying to figure out there's, there's a couple fish left, but they're not the ones I wanted. And, and, and you're just trying to figure this thing out. Or I'm, I'm past the mark of anything kind of recognized as creative or expressive or valuable because I've you know, moved past this age and now everyone's trying to hire young or all the great ideas are by millennials or whoever. And, and so you feel like your time has come and gone and that God has just kind of left you by the side because there were more valuable commodities at his disposal because there was something more significant or, or someone who, who's better. And it's left you feeling rejected and shamed and abandoned and hurt. But the fact of the matter is that's not anything God imposed on you because you, again, are God's masterpiece, created anew in Christ Jesus. That you were the thing God said, I cherish the most. And so while our circumstance, while our career, while our relationships, while our you know, routine may make us feel insignificant or feel like we're just kind of here to kind of operate. God says, no, 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 I made you for a reason. Which leads into that second part of that phrase, with a purpose. With a purpose. You know, God made us, but he didn't make us so that we could just kind of be if that makes sense. He didn't just make and say, okay, well, here they are. You know, we'll make stuff with Legos, my daughter and I, and we'll just let them be. But most of the time, we're making stuff and we're trying to use it for something. But God never makes something and then just lets it be. I mean, that would be cruel, and it would be both cruel and frustrating. Cruel of him and frustrating for him. You know what it would be like? It would be like putting together Ikea furniture. You ever had to do that? It's the worst. It's the worst. Seriously, you guys laugh, but I'm dead serious. Ikea furniture is awful. I have a shoe cabinet in my apartment. If you walk in my apartment, you've seen it. It's the very first thing when you walk in the door. It's about this tall. It has like two drawers or two cabinets where you can put shoes and then a pull-out drawer. Simple piece of furniture. It's probably about like seven inches deep. Okay, So it's not very big. In theory, it shouldn't be that complicated. But when I got this thing from Ikea, I kid you not, let me say this, I'm admittedly not the handiest person in the world, but there's a thing or two that I can do, okay? I've I've done some stuff, I've figured out some stuff, and assembling a piece of furniture is not near the top in terms of degree of difficulty on my list, okay? So I get this thing, I open the instructions. For one, there's a million instructions. Two, you've got like 19 bags of different size screws, and then you have all these like little size wood pegs, and some are bigger than the other. The holes are different sizes. All this stuff. It took me six hours on a Saturday. 
six hours on a Saturday to put together this stupid cabinet. <laughs> and and it, what blew my mind was that this is so unnecessary. Like, this part's not needed. Yeah. This size is not needed. This shape is not needed. This wall thing is not needed. This plastic lining isn't needed. All these different things, they were just there. It was like maybe Ikea thought, well, if we put as much stuff as we can into this $59 box, you'll think we've exceeded the value by a million because when your furniture falls apart, it's not going to be that good. But you think, well, it came with a lot of stuff, so it must be good. And so we put everything we can in this tiny box, and then when you open it, it'll just fall everywhere, and you'll ruin a Saturday trying to put it together. That's what, that's what Ikea furniture does to me. It just, it just makes no sense. But we think that's what God did. Well, yeah, he might have made us on purpose, but we don't really have a purpose. And, and, and so we, we live with that mindset and buy into that lie and fall into that deception. And what it ends up doing is creating both cruelty and frustration, cruelty in our view of God. And we think, well, why would God bless them but not bless me? Why would God designate them or appoint them but not appoint me? And then frustration because, well, if I don't have a purpose, then this is the best I have to, to this is the best I have, all I have to live for. And so we're frustrated, we're exhausted, we're angry about it. But again, look at the back half of verse 10. This is what Paul writes. He says this, so, you know, we're created anew in Christ Jesus, so we can do the good things, notice this last phrase, that he planned for us long ago. The good things that he planned for us long ago. So not only were we not made on accident, but his purpose for us was not an accident. His purpose for us was actually designated at the time of our inception. That what he planned is not something that just kind of happened. That what he planned isn't something we stumble into. What he planned isn't something that, well, I skipped over this person. I'm going to play duck, duck, goose. And whoever I pick is going to be the person that has purpose while the rest of us just sit around in a circle watching everyone else run around and do what they're supposed to do. He planned for this with a purpose. And then this is where it gets fun because, honestly, this is where you get to dream. This is where you get to envision. This is where you get to kind of expand the limitations and the boundaries of what you thought was possible or what others have told you is possible. I remember a few years ago, I was reading uh, this book on Steve Jobs by Sir Walter Isaacson. It was the autobiography of Steve Jobs. And, or excuse me, not an autobiography, but a biography with Steve Jobs' contributions. And they were talking about on the Mac and some of the inventions in the early stages of what they did. And it's a real simple function, and I'll see if I can explain this in a way that makes sense. But you know when you take an open window, like in your, kind of if you're searching for a document on your computer or the internet browser, and you slide that over and it covers something that's on your desktop. You know what I'm talking about? So it slides over like this, okay? So that function at one point in history did not exist. But the developers and the engineers who made that function possible, they did it not knowing that it wasn't possible to do it. And, and, and here's what the guy was quoted as saying. When they asked him about it, he said, we didn't know you weren't supposed to do that. We didn't know it couldn't be done, so we just did it. Because there was no imposed boundary, because there was no imposed limitation, they had the freedom to do what was thought at that point in history impossible. And because God has removed any sort of imposed boundary on who you are and what you were made for and what others have told you you were made for, you can do what others have said is impossible. You can step into what has once at one point in your life felt like it was impossible. 
And this isn't about, you know, starting the next kind of, you know, charity water or starting, you know, the next apple. I'm not talking about that. It might be that in your case. But it's about you and your purpose. So it's not about comparing yourself to, to something else because you can go places and feel overwhelmed by other people's dreams and ambitions, but it's not about comparing yourself to them. It's about comparing yourself to you and what God sees in you. And, and, and again, you kind of get to do what this, what you will, but Paul wrote, your purpose is as simple as doing good. That what was planned long ago, in the very least, was for it to be good, for it to do good. For it to bring good about in this world. And you don't have to watch the news very long. You don't have to turn the TV on for a long period of time to understand that there's a lot of places in this world that are hurting. There's a lot of bad things taking place, but good is needed more so than ever. The people and situations and circumstances need good. And you have the purpose and the ability to do that. Now, when you get into kind of more specific purpose, that's where it gets more challenging and you feel like, well, how, how do I know what my purpose is? This is what I do, or this is what, you know, I, I thought I was supposed to do, but now I'm kind of here. So how do I know? So I, I, I wanted to kind of give you like a little formula. Again, some of it's pirated. So I'm going to admit that right now. That way no one steals and gets upset, okay? So here's kind of a little formula. Burden plus opportunity plus direction equals purpose, okay? This top part is pirated, but I didn't like it by itself. Burden plus opportunity. Burden, man, what weighs on you? What creates kind of this sense of like, oh, that's not right. That, that could be better. There could be more than that. Opportunity. Do you have the opportunity to do it, to solve that, to, to, to alleviate that burden in someone else's life? Now that on its own is good, but that on its own can be kind of aimless. Because there's a lot of things we can be burdened for, whether it's trafficking or kids in need or, you know, making innovations that, that ease or improve the quality of our life or creating art that inspires and, and, and captures the human spirit and the human soul and, and, and some sort of expression of one way or another, dance or writing or, or, or video or, you know, again, burden and opportunity can be as simple as, well, that, that's how I got my job. You know, I, I felt like I needed money. That was my burden. And there was an opportunity. So I said yes. And boom. Right? I mean, let's be honest. Like, that's most of us. But that doesn't necessarily equate to purpose. Direction is kind of that thing that takes it next level, and that's where God speaks in and says, yes, this is it. Yes, go for it. This is what I designated you for when I envisioned you long ago. This is who I envisioned you to be. And so now you have the burden, now you have the opportunity, and you have the direction from God where God says, go for it. All of a sudden, you find your purpose. And you can kind of triangulate from there to figure out this is what I'm made for. This is the purpose I was made with. To bring good and, and ultimately to show the goodness of God. This is what God intended. This is what God envisioned for my life. And no matter how small or how big it may feel, no matter how insignificant or meaningful it may become, at least to the outside world. If you're pursuing this, then you're doing everything God envisioned for your life, no matter who rejects it, no matter who's against it, no matter who supports it, no matter how, uh, how it's measured in the eyes of others. Because that doesn't matter at the end of time. What matters is, did you do, did you live, did you become 
the person that God intended for you to become when he, go back, made you. When he purposefully made you. And the last part of this phrase, for a purpose. This is where it all kind of fits together for something greater because God in his sovereignty wasn't again just saying, I'm going to make something on purpose. I'm going to give them, you know, a purpose. But there's a greater purpose in this. It's kind of where all these things are, are kind of brought together for a reason. And so God in his sovereignty did this. And, and, and Paul writes about it in Ephesians 2, verses 17 and 18. So he says this, He, speaking of God, brought this good news of peace to you Gentiles who were far away from him, and peace to the Jews who were near. So now all of us can come to the Father through the same Holy Spirit because of what Christ has done for us. You see, God's plan in all of this was to reveal who he is so that those who are far from God and those who are near to God can experience God. That through your purpose, his heart is revealed. That when you live in your purpose, when you pursue your purpose, you're actually showcasing the heart of God. You're actually putting on display, this is who God is, this is what God feels, this is what God sees for you and what God believes about you so that others can look around, whether they're Jewish, Gentile, or any race, any disc- or any religious background, any sort of race, any sort of you know, proximity to or from God, that any person could come into a relationship with God and say, that's what I want because I see it through you. That's what I desire. You know, I get so frustrated. Some of these situations that I see on social media, and and social media, it's like, why? Why did you say that? Why did you do that? Why did this get put out there? And, and, And a lot of times I'm talking about myself. But I've gotten better, and so now I'm talking about other people. <laughs> and and I, I see some of these things, and I just think, you know, some people, well, this is who Christians are. Look at this. Look at that. And I think, no, 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 you're, you're looking at the wrong ones. Look at me. I'm not perfect. I'm not, you know, trying to act like this thing is, is black and white as it is. I'm not acting like, well, my allegiance is over here to this political party or to, you know, this situation or this circumstance. That, that's not how it is. Look, there, there's something more than that. that. There's more purpose in this, that the God is heart. Like, even if that's who that person is, that's not who God is. That there is goodness. There's compassion. There's grace. There's hurting when people are hurt. There's forgiveness when people are repentant. That there's conviction when people are sorry. But all of that, that's the full embodiment of who God is, not just this one aspect that are kind of you know, altered or skewed dimension because someone posted something on Facebook that's just, it's just out there. Or because some media outlet decided, well, let's get the wackiest Christian we can find and let's use whatever he says. You know, a couple weeks ago, this, it was blown my mind, there was a situation with this hurricane where one guy came out and said, well, you know, I prayed it away from Texas. And I'm thinking, okay, well, it's going to the Carolinas, which are just as religious and church-going people as Texas. So what? So God, don't send this to Texas because there's a lot of Christians here. Send it to the Carolinas instead. <laughs> okay, yeah, you're right. You know, that's what I'll do. Like, what? Like, and then, of course, that's featured on every major media outlet. I'm like, why? Someone just interview me, please. You know, I'll share something. You know, what do I need? What do you want? Like, what do you, what do you need? And it's just like, why? Because it doesn't, and my frustration is not necessarily even with that person, 
but, because, but with the misrepresentation of who God is, of what God wants. Because he made us on purpose and with a purpose for the purpose of revealing his heart to the world. So that, as Paul wrote, those who are far from God and those who are near to God would experience peace through Jesus Christ. That those who are absent or or, or distant or kind of remain skeptical would say, you know what, this is what I want. I can follow that kind of God. I can believe in that kind of God because I see what he's doing in you. I see the transformation. I see the purpose. And that's what I need in my life. Because if you remember, we go back to the beginning. We all have asked why. And if you found your purpose in God, and if God gave you purpose, then what does he have for me? And this takes kind of two parts, right? Because there's those of us who know Jesus. Those of us who know Jesus, you know, requires of us that we live in that purpose. That we pursue the purpose God has given us. And again, I'm not trying to tell you your purpose is mutually exclusive from your job or from a relationship or from, you know, whatever responsibilities you have, okay? Because those people drive me just as nuts. It's a both and. But your purpose and your pursuit of it is the thing that reveals the character and the heart of God. But then for those of us who don't know Jesus, it requires that we submit to Jesus, that we give our lives to Jesus and say, Jesus, I don't know what my purpose is, or maybe I do know what my purpose is, but I recognize either way, the fullness of it is only going to be experienced once and after I engage in a relationship with you. Because the more that's available to me is not available on my own. The more is only available through the one who can give me more, who can offer more, who can bless me with more beyond measure, beyond any sort of recognition, beyond any sort of understanding. And so that's where the more is found, and that's where my purpose is fulfilled. And so when I give my life to that person in Jesus Christ, then I can tap into the power of my purpose. Then I can tap into the fullness of it. Then I can experience it. And so you, wherever you are on that spectrum, you have a responsibility or an opportunity, maybe is a better way of saying it. Because if you want to live in the fullness of your purpose and you're in a relationship with Jesus, then all it requires is you kind of taking steps toward it one at a time. And then you say, well, I don't know. I don't have all the answers. I don't have things figured out, the hows and the what. It doesn't matter because like that quote said, it's not about the hows, it's about the why. You have the why, you can figure out and get through any sort of how. And then those who don't, the opportunity is as simple as saying, you know what, today I want to give my life to Jesus. Today I want Jesus to become the person that kind of empowers me with purpose, that reveals that purpose and, and allows me to begin experiencing. And you know what I've learned over my years? It, it's, it's a lot like this. You have a napkin, right? And when you're served this napkin, you know, even one of these little napkins over there on the table, you take that napkin and on the surface, it has a certain dimension and a size and you think, okay, you know, it's a napkin. But then you unfold that napkin and you unfold it again and you unfold it again. All of a sudden, the size of that napkin is so much greater than the original thing you saw. And when you step into your purpose, when you begin pursuing your purpose, following God, at first you might just see a small scope of it. You might just see a small dimension of it. But as you step into it, as you follow it, God begins kind of unfolding your purpose. 
And as that unfolding takes place, as that unfolding occurs, all of a sudden you see something far greater than what you ever envisioned for yourself. And the beauty of God is because he's infinite, because he's limitless, the napkin doesn't have defined boundaries or dimensions. Your purpose is so much greater than what you can see. And it's all unlocked and found through Jesus. So I'm going to take a moment to pray for us, and then we'll dismiss. Jesus, today... We come to you with great gratitude and thankfulness over the purpose that you've given and bestowed upon us. God, that you didn't see us as an accident, that you uh, didn't envision this as something that just kind of occurs per chance or occurs over uh, some sort of you know, box being shaken up or the cosmos being mixed up or, or some sort of code that was just magically created. God, that you envisioned us on purpose. You made us on purpose with a purpose and for a purpose, and, and, and we have the ability and the opportunity to step into it, to experience the more that's offered. And I also want to pray, Lord, for, for anyone who doesn't have that yet, who doesn't have clarity around their purpose. Lord, that today would be the beginning of clarity. Lord, today would be the beginning of wisdom. Today would be the beginning of opportunity that they would see what they couldn't see before that you, out of your generosity and out of your grace, would give them a vision and a picture of what was foreign before today. And I pray for, for those who, who maybe have yet to experience the relationship aspect of Jesus, those who have kind of wandered through purpose or, or navigating purpose or trying to sort out purpose, but they've not tapped into the fullness of it through relationship with Jesus, that today would be the day that they commit themselves to you. God, we know that you have so much more for us. We know that you have so much uh, planned for us. And we know that we were made for so much more. So we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen.